He is risen. Hallelujah. If you took a poll on a random day, like not, not on Easter, not on Christmas, but on a random day of the year, and you asked someone, what's the most important day of the year? I think you'd get a myriad of answers. If you asked uh, some of the kiddos, like some of the ones that just went out, I think their answer would be my birthday. If you ask an accountant, they might offer up April 15th, or this year, April 18th, when taxes are due. Or the college athlete going pro could suggest draft day. A patriotic-minded person might say July 4th, as we celebrate our freedoms as a nation. And those are all fine answers. Now, we could also ask a similar question about Scripture. What's the most important day or event recorded in the Bible? And we've been showcasing some of those important events through the paintings on the wall. And as a reminder, we've been filling up our space with pictures that tell God's story of redemption from the pages of Scripture. And each of these could be a candidate for most important event, critical moments throughout the story of Scripture uh, that tell us about the love of God. Now, we are going to do something a little bit different today in that we have to break timeline. We've been going through like a timeline of Scripture, so it starts at creation through the Old Testament, and then we've started with our New Testament, and we've been going through it, and we have to kind of time jump a little bit here because we can't not have the death and resurrection of Jesus as a main focus of our paintings because after all, of all of the events, nothing is more critical, crucial, vital to the Christian faith than what we celebrate this weekend. And so uh, here is our painting for the death and resurrection of Jesus. <clears throat> and the first thing you might ask, like, well, I'm pretty sure this is Easter. Why is Good Friday on this picture too? And it's because the two really can't be separated. Together, Good Friday and Easter Sunday tell us one united story that must not be separated out. They're a package deal. Because Good Friday, without the empty tomb, is just the story of an innocent man's death. And Easter, without the cross of Good Friday, does nothing to take away our sin. Instead, Easter is the result of Good Friday. Christ's resurrection is vital because it tells us that God the Father accepted Christ's Good Friday sacrifice. Together, they show us the power and the love of God. His power over death and his love for sinners like us. And so we celebrate throughout this weekend. And it is a holiday. And like every holiday, we have certain hopes, certain expectations. For Easter, we might expect to do uh, some of the traditional activities, like dyeing eggs. Like raise your hand if you, if you dyed eggs this weekend. If you're going to dye eggs this weekend. If that's part of your thing. No? How about hunting for Easter eggs? A few more hands go up. Fantastic. <clears throat> Absolutely. We've come to expect that those things... Who's having a really big dinner or lunch? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's all about the food. You know, we've come to expect stores to be filled with things like Cadbury eggs or giant chocolate bunnies or a newer slash grosser flavor of peep. We have high expectations that our family gatherings would be pleasant and peaceful. We come into Easter with expectations. And we've all experienced times when those things did not go 
as he expected them to. The big celebration meal got burned in the oven. Been there, done that. The flight was delayed, so there wasn't as much time for any of the activities. The pleasant family time was soured by moody children or a contentious conversation. Our expectations are not always met. And as we reflect on the events of that first Good Friday, that first Easter Sunday, there were a lot of things that did not go as people expected it to. The crowds expected Jesus to lead a mutiny against Rome, and they were outraged, they were resentful that he didn't deliver what they wanted. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they expected that the death of Jesus, that Good Friday, was going to be the end of the matter. They thought that the name of Jesus would fade away after his death, and they ended up being dismayed over the reports of his resurrection. The fact that some 2,000 years later, we still proclaim the name of Christ. <clears throat> Easter is, did not go, or Good Friday did not go as the Pharisees expected. Or the priests in the temple, they expected just a normal day. But they were bewildered when the curtain was torn in two. The soldiers expected Christ's death to be like anyone else's. But then the sky turned black and the, and the earth shook. And it led them to exclaim, surely this was the Son of God. And the disciples, well, they didn't know what to expect. They were terrified of the mob on Thursday night. They were ashamed of their own cowardice on Friday. And they were shocked by Christ's appearance on Easter Sunday. It was a, it was a weekend of events that defied expectation. And this was certainly true for the women who went to the tomb that Sunday morning. You know, prior to Friday, throughout Christ's ministry, those, these women had a certain set of expectations, right? They expected Jesus to be uh, the Savior, to rescue his people, to overcome the sorrow and the darkness of human hearts. But then Friday happened. And as Friday unfolded, they witnessed the horrific scene of Christ's crucifixion. They were present when the Romans marched a bloodied and bruised Jesus down the streets of Jerusalem. They had heard the hammer drive the nails home into his hands and feet. They had watched as their hope died. And then, because the Sabbath was coming, they were forced to unceremoniously put his body in the tomb. And now the women had very different set of expectations. With the Sabbath over, they came to finish the burial process, which is why they brought spices with them. They came to take care of unfinished business, to say their goodbyes, to express their grief and disappointment, to start the process of learning to live with their loss. What did they expect to find? Expected to find a tomb sealed by a stone, which is why they argued over how they would move it. They expected to find the hastily wrapped body of Jesus. They were expecting, they were looking to close their time with him and to move and to place their hope into something else. They didn't find what they were looking for. They found the stone had been rolled away. They found that the body of Jesus was no longer there. They found messengers in dazzling white who reminded them of what Jesus had promised them and asked them this question, why do you look for the living among the dead? If we could summarize the whole thing this way, they didn't find what they were looking for, but what they found changed everything. 
as it turns out, they were looking in the wrong place. And therein lies the good news. They found that death was no longer the last word and that Jesus' promises could be trusted. They found that God had been at work in everything, even though everything seemed to suggest otherwise. Later in the book of John, we learn about one of those women, Mary Magdalene, who stayed at the tomb weeping and still not understanding the joy of Christ's resurrection. And, and in that account, in the book of John, Mary is so filled with grief that she can't even, even though she sees Jesus, even though she hears Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. Because it wasn't what she expected. Instead, it was so much better. But what about you? The women came to that tomb with a certain set of expectations. And more than likely, you came to church with your own expectations. You came looking for something. For some of us, we were just looking to appease the matriarch of the family. After all, it's easier to endure one hour long service than a whole weekend of grandma's chastising glare. I get it. For others, maybe we came looking to sing our favorite Easter songs. Or maybe we came looking for that pancake breakfast, which is delicious. Others, however, hopefully, came looking to find something a little bit more significant, something deeper. Perhaps we were hoping to be an example for our children or for our grandchildren of what it means to put Jesus first in our lives. Or maybe we came looking for respite from the sting of loneliness, whether it's because family didn't come this year or because we can't help but feel the emptiness of the space to our left where our loved ones sat with us for so many Sundays for so many years. Or maybe we came to find salve for a guilty conscience, or answers to questions, or answers to prayers, or something to stop the pain, or to something to hold on to. Because as humans, we are constantly looking to find something. We long to find guidance and support and fulfillment. We're seeking to find a, a distraction, or some relief, or just a little bit of help to make it through the day. The question is, where do we look? We look for guidance from things like pop culture and YouTube videos. We try to find fulfillment in how many times we've been retweeted or in solving the latest wordle puzzle or in climbing the ladder of our works organization. Maybe we place our identity in fleeting things, whether that's a hobby or a job or a mate or a status. Like the women on that first Easter. We look for the living among the dead. We try to find life in a world that won't last. But where do we find life? Well, it's not in the graveyard, and it's not in anything that this world has to offer. Instead, it's in the crucified and resurrected Jesus. In him, we find the very same thing that those women found on the first Easter. We find that death, while grievous and while full of sorrow, no longer has the last word. Because he has defeated death and has stripped it of its power. We find that Jesus' promises are true and are trustworthy because he's accomplished exactly what he said he would. He's accomplished the forgiveness of our sins and the redemption of our souls. We find that God is at work in our lives even when everything suggests otherwise. We 
He's the God who tears down our logical expectations and instead gives us more than all we ask or imagine. See, Jesus is the king of reversing our expectations. Our expectations are reversed when we see that despite our waywardness, despite our weakness, despite our sin, he chose to take our suffering upon himself and to bear the burden of our sin. And even though we have searched for life and for meaning and for respite and everything besides him, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus chose rejection over acceptance. He chose spit over salutation and bleeding and blows over blessings and thorns over riches and torture over comfort and death over life. reversed our expectations. And then more of our expectations get reversed as we learn that Jesus' suffering and his punishment actually brings us the peace that we've been so desperately looking for. Because his blood reconciles us with God. By his wounds we are healed. So we see this to be true. Because of the events of Good Friday, we can have a clean slate. We can have a personal history purged of every wrongdoing, no matter how big, no matter how small. And because of the events of Easter Sunday, we can be made whole, no matter how broken we are. And we can have peace, no matter how conflicted our life is. And we can have hope, no matter how overshadowed we are by despair. That's what we receive in Jesus. And what's more, is he doesn't just reverse our expectations. He reverses our death. It says, since, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. No longer is death the end. See, on the cross, Jesus crucifies our expectations. By his death, he wins for us forgiveness. By his resurrection, he gives us life and salvation. So what did you expect to find when you came to church? Because regardless of your expectations, my prayer is that you find what the women found that morning at the tomb. I pray that you would know the love of Jesus that won your forgiveness and gives you peace. I pray that you would trust in the promises of Christ, which will be fulfilled when he returns. I pray you would be confident in the God who is still at work in your life, even when everything suggests otherwise. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah and amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we celebrate your victory over sin in the grave. Death could not hold you, and in glory you rose again. As we compare ourselves to your glory, we acknowledge that we have fallen short. And so we come to you now in humility and in sincerity as we confess our sins to you. Forgive us for our faulty expectations. Forgive us for trying to find life and fulfillment and peace outside of you. Forgive us for taking your death and your resurrection for granted, for not living changed lives because of it. 
Lord, forgive us for all of our sinful actions and our sinful words and our sinful thoughts that we can silently confess to you now. Jesus, we hear in your word that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just, and you will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We trust in your promise that through your death, our sin is paid for, and through your victory, you've given us victory too. Thank you, Lord, for reversing our expectations. Thank you for coming to stand in our stead. Thank you for giving us your grace. We know and we take heart in the fact that our sins are all forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.